Today's episode of the Playgrounder podcast, Matt tells me he has another story. He says it's great. Uh, you know, hopefully it's uh, it's better than the last one where he uh, we, we were led into his mind where he had mental thoughts of who was going to be his bathroom maid. Uh, just for reference, I'm hearing these stories for the exact same time as you guys are, so it's a secret to me. I, I'm I'm fresh. My my reaction is totally just new, just as you guys are hearing it. Uh, we're gonna talk about the bubble and how it's getting left, and people are getting invited in. It's getting penetrated out and in, whatever you want to call it. Um, and of course, the girl Ugliana who tweeted about getting invited to the bubble. We're talking about Dwight's DJ set, and then just a couple players who haven't shown up yet and. We're kind of questioning, and then we go over a Carl Anthony Townsend Gobert debate because what else is there to talk about nowadays? Uh, and then we ended with a little bit of guest the player, and then some rookie reviews on the Boston Celtics rookies. Jam packed show. Make sure you're listening, subscribe, and let's get it. round of applause for that so let me lead off by asking so let me begin story time by asking you a question okay okay now you're you're a canadian right i am i am born and raised do you guys have crime in canada (laughs) like you're just saying like criminals like people who commit crimes do you have people that that do crime we do yeah quite a bit okay see that's good because here in i don't know if that's good well, it's not good, but it's it's your answer is going to make sense for this because um, I want you to be able to like relate to what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, and also in Canada, do you have ATMs or do they just hand out money? What's first, going on there? First of all, I love how that's like just a question that like Americans just like have to ask. They're like, so like you guys have like crime there, right? Like people like do bad stuff or you all just apologize. Right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we have both. Yeah, we have ATMs and you can walk right up to the counter in the bank and get money from like a person or a teller but yeah yeah no we have atms in in sketchy gas stations or in banks wherever you wherever you can find one look look at us man we're more alike than what we thought so this story involves what i thought was a possible crime at an atm and it happened like kind of during this covid time um although it's not a covid story it's just a story about how i think covid is making people crazy so i am waiting in line at a drive-up ATM and there is a lady in her car in front of me who's using the ATM and I'm right behind her. Pretty mellow day, man. Um, there's a few other cars in line because, you know, there's there's two of these drive-up ATMs, you know, right next to each other. So there's like five or six total cars. You know, what can go wrong, right? Nothing can go wrong. And it was in the middle of the day on like a Wednesday or something. So waiting my turn and... This guy, this older gentleman, you know, late 50s, early 60s, comes flying in in his like beat up, you know, Ford Taurus station wagon, whatever. And I mean, he's flying into the parking lot and he throws his car in park, doesn't even turn it off. And it's right as the lady in front of me is taking out her money. So my first, you know, how, how would you react to that? If if you were me, if like he just drove in like in front of you, you said, or just like so he he parks like right near me, leaves the car in park, and just jumps out and like kind of heads right toward this lady who's 
taking out our money? Like, what what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that's kind of creepy, especially how he just pulled in and then, like, he just whipped out. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd probably assume have the same thought process of you as, like, oh, yeah, some crap is going down. Like, he's going to, like, he's going to run right in between where the money gets dispensed in her hand and steal it and then run away. And I feel like that's been one of my biggest fears at the ATM. Like, when I'm at the ATM, I drive incredibly close like there is no breathing room between myself and like where you get your money. And I'm always like snaking my head around, checking my mirrors. Like I don't want some, you know, some kid who runs like, you know, a, a 4240 to just take my money and book just it. Paranoia so, on the max. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, you know, I'm on the lookout and this guy, he's out of his car now. And he's, he's like yelling at the lady and the lady is clearly taken aback, right? Like she has no idea what's going on. And so he's like, he's like all in her face and literally like gets basically in her car, right? Like his head is like kind of through her window and I'm like, something's like her going on. Like driver's side window? Yes. Right? What? Exactly. So, and she's like yelling. Now I'm kind of like, uh, I'm taking it back as well. And I, and I do like, you know, you ever just like look around to see if like anyone else is doing anything. I look around and all the other cars there are just like watching now I'm like, all right, no one's going to get out and help this lady. Like, <laughs> should, I I, help this lady. should I step in or is this guy crazy and he'll punch me in the face? Yeah. And, you know, and I felt like way better about it than what I should have been because earlier that day I worked out. I did like 150 pushups and I had a protein shake. So I was like, OK, you know, I'm I'm made for this. Yeah. Um, couldn't be further from from the truth. So I get out of my car because this lady is like clearly panicked and this guy is like like swearing at her like nasty swears like the swears you have to abbreviate do you know what i mean like the f's and the c's um but could you like hear at all what they were arguing about or what he was yelling at her about like no i i couldn't hear it it was just mumble yeah i could it was just mumble but like when you hear the f's and the c's you can hear the swear word so he just he wasn't even in line he literally just whipped in out of nowhere parked and then just stormed towards her car yes Right. And he, he left his car. He didn't turn his car off like the oh. motor was still running. So that's why I'm like, OK, this guy's just going to grab and go. Um, I get out of my car and I'm just like, I'm like, listen, man, like, I don't know what's going on here, but like you need to back away from this lady. Like you got to let her do her thing and go. Right. So now the guy like walks towards me and the lady takes her money. She she like is very grateful. Like she stays in her car. And she's, she's yelling at me. She's like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then like peels out of there. Okay. I'm talking to this man and he's, and he's giving me all the abbreviated swears again. Right. And I'm keeping my cool, man. I'm pretty calm about it. Like I'm not a confrontational guy, but I'm not going to let something bad happen when I see it happening. So he's like, he's like, I'm trying to use the ATM. He's like, I'm a veteran and saying all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, man, this is a drive up ATM. And he looks at me and he puts his hands in the air. Like he shrugs his shoulders and he's like, he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, look around you. Like, do you see all these cars here? Right. And everyone else is watching now with their windows down. I was like, I was like, look around you. Like there are five or six other cars. This thing that we're under is like a roof with ATM machines. It literally says drive up ATM. Right. And, and he, like his mind was blown. Like he had no idea. Oh, he thought like it, it was one that you just walk up to. 
he walked up to a drive-thru ATM, right? So I'm like, and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like, listen, man, I am next in line. So I'm going to get my car and I'm going to drive up to the ATM. And like, I suggest you get in your car and get in line. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And I was like, yeah, you kind of have to. Like, that's, you know, that's what's going down, man. Like, I'm getting my car and I'm going to drive forward, right? And he's, and then he freaks out on me. Like, he's going nuts and he's, and he's saying, like, the nastiest, like, he's putting together swear words in a combination that I had, like, never heard, right? It was actually impressive. Um, and he's, like, he's getting all in my face and I'm very, like, dude, you need to stay away. Like, this is during, like, the, like one of the peaks of COVID, right? And I'm like, you got to stay away from me, man. Like, I, I have no idea who you are. And he's like, what, you want to fight? And I was like, what are you, nine? Like, that's, by the way, just for all of our listeners, like, I'm, I'm a big, you know, don't fight anyone until there's no other options. Like, that's like my, like, life philosophy, man. Like, he's a hunter. Not yes, I, that, that, that is me. And here's one great disarming line you can always use if you don't want to fight, Okay. Just look at the person and say, dude, what is this, third grade? Ooh. Just say that. I'm going to start it's, using that. It's perfect. Just like, and I've used different variations of it. I've been like, I'd be like, oh, what happened? Did I, did I cut you in the lunch line today? Right? Like, what's, what's going on here? Did, did you not get recess today? What are we, fourth graders? Like, even when you know, people don't want to fight me, I'm going to start using that just if they irritate me. Like, even if they're just bothering me, I say, what are we in second grade? Yeah. It's, it's perfect because, there's no good response anyone can say to that. So, so that's what I was saying to this guy. Um, I was like, I was like, listen, you're a grown man. You need to act your age, get in your car. And he is, he's going off on me. So, the bank managers come out, and they're like, is there a problem here? And I was like, listen, I will tell you the whole thing. So I got in my car, I drove around so other people could use the ATM. This guy drives up in his car, and he's like leaning out of it, still like mfing me. And the bank teller's like, what is going on? And I just tell him the whole story. And then the second they approach that guy, he like peels out of the entire ATM, almost hits someone, like pulls right up onto our main street and is just flooring it. And and everyone there is like sitting around stunned, like what the hell just happened? Um, the moral of the story is this though, okay? COVID is making people crazy. Like there's a like there are a lot of mental health issues out there that I that I sympathize with. Be careful, people, because there are a lot of uh, a lot of people that are struggling right now. Okay, and and try and try and stay away from confrontation. Right. So, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It's also, I guess, understanding that when you're dealing with confrontation, or even even like outside of COVID, just understanding like you don't know what this person's going through, you don't know what they've been through. You know, even if it's right, like COVID's not even going on, they could have had a family member pass away or get really sick or lost their job. So. As much as it's easy to, you know, fight fire with fire or want to fight someone who's really agitating you, I think it's important to remember that you never know what someone's going through. And if you really use that in like all aspects of life, then I, I mean, you become a lot more understanding and you deal with confrontational situations a lot better. And, you know, so when, when it first happened, you know, you're all amped up. You're like, you got adrenaline going. You're like, wow, like I almost got in this fight, like this altercation. And then like you think about it and you reflect on it. It's like, listen, that guy probably had some serious mental health issues. And like nobody, and, and this is what I say about a lot of things in life. Like nobody wants to be that way, right? You know, it's the, it's kind of the same philosophy. Like when you hear about someone who 
you know, I don't know, is, is selling drugs or like commits a robbery. Like nobody wants to commit crime, right? Nobody wants to be on like welfare or things like that. So just try and be more empathetic. But yeah, at the end of the day, man, if you if you ask someone, hey, what is this thir- like? Is this third grade? It's just a great line. Like it's just it's perfect. That's the other moral of the story. Call someone out um, for acting like they're a five year old or a ten year old, and they'll back away. How old are you in? Th- how old are you in third grade? Nine. I'm so bad at ages and grades. Like I don't even like I don't know how old you are at any grade. <laughs> I'm bad at <laughs> dates. Like you could you could be like ask me like. You know, who won the 2008 finals? And, like, I'd have no idea. I'd have to literally go back starting, like, Raptors, Warriors, Warriors, Cavs. War- like, I'd have right. to go back that way. Like, I can't just name it off, like, the date. I think you're, like, 9 or 10. I'm going to go with that. Okay. I mean, that's fair to me. I can't – I have no way of telling if you're wrong or right. And that is not something that's worth looking up for me. Hey, I, tot- I totally respect that. Uh, let's go on to uh, another guy who maybe was acting a bit like a third grader, but once again, in the theme of understanding, we don't know what's going on. Uh, Bruno Caboclo left the bubble only like four or five days in. And my first reaction when I read this, I was like, I still don't think it's okay. And you should follow the rules and have your mind focused on the championship and let nothing, you know, kind of swayed you from that. But I'm still like, I can understand if, Two months in, you just have this urge to just go, like, leave and, like, go to a restaurant or something, wherever he went. I don't think it was ever um, explained. But, like, literally, like, four or five days in, maybe even, like, three or two, like, where where, where do you think he went? Like, where could he have gone that he just needed to get out so bad? So, I could understand, I mean, not understand, but I could envision maybe someone like, you just have a fast food urge, and it's one in the morning, you're sick and tired of the food, you're like, dude, I'm getting out of here, no one's going to know. Um, I could see that. Besides that, but I But still, I after like four days, like you think you could at least last a couple weeks, like you're mentally prepared going in, you're like, yeah, I can't leave, I'm stuck, but then after maybe like three weeks, you're just like, I can't handle this, but... I feel like mentally you should just be strong enough to last like at least a week. Who said he was two years away from being two years away? Was that Chad Ford? I don't know who said it. I just know that's a thing that's been said about him every year he's been in the league. It might have been Chad Ford. Maybe he was going to like beat up Chad Ford. I don't even know who that is. Oh, man. Chad Ford is like – he's a good basketball dude. I think, he, I think he still writes for ESPN. Give him a Google search. You've definitely seen him before. Mm, yeah, that's a lie. I do know who that is. I didn't know him by name, though. Chad Ford, man. Good guy. Hopefully he's not beaten up right now by Bruno Caboclo. Um, but that's tough. I mean, and at the end of the day, like, everyone's been on a sports team before, and a lot of people have gone to these, obviously, like, not in a bubble, but a similar kind of event where, like, maybe you have, like, an AU or, like, a travel soccer tournament that everyone's staying at the same hotel – and everyone knows, like, the one person who can ruin it for everybody. And I'm just curious if, like, that's the situation for him. Like, like, did all of his teammates know, oh, man, like, the one guy we, we got to worry about is Bruno? Um, I don't know. Well, that's the thing, too. That should be motivation within itself to stay. Just not being the first one to potentially, you know, leave, leave first off and then bring COVID into the bubble because – from what we've heard, it seems like the bubble's good so far. Now, 
again, it's only been less than a week, but as far as we know, there's no one with COVID in the bubble. But I feel like other than the championship and just wanting to be focused on basketball, it should be motivation enough just to not be that guy who ruins it for everyone. Because not only will you ruin it for everyone and everyone hates you, but no matter how good you are, unless you're like an absolute all-star, no one's going to sign you after a stunt like that. Exactly. Um, now, what did Rashawn Holmes do, though? Because he was a little different. Yeah, I, I feel kind of bad for him because the way Shams worded it in his tweet, it made it sound like there's just this barrier that they can't cross and it's been discussed that there's like this invisible line that that's where the bubble ends and this is where it begins. And the way Shams worded it was Holmes crossed the Disney campus line to pick up like a food from a delivery driver. So it kind of sounds like he literally just took like five steps outside the line to grab the bag and then come back in just unknowingly. Or maybe he did know. Once again, like we, we don't know for sure. But if it was that he just like took five or ten steps outside, I do kind of feel bad for him. But at the same time, I am actually happy and I respect the NBA for sticking strict to their word and not just saying, oh, you know, he didn't know. You know, we'll just we'll just kind of let it go. I, I, I'm happy that they're, they're drawing the line here. They're sticking to it and they're remaining strict with the with the punishments and all their rules. Well, they're definitely setting an example, but. My question is like, how did they? Like, did they have professional like line watchers who were just like walking around the campus? Because who who spotted him, right? Or did he report himself, right? Like, I want to know how, like, what led up to that. So I picture there just being a planter, like the orange pylon on the goal line, and there's a camera right there that you can see the line, and you can see if the ball crosses, you can see if his foot crosses. And as soon as just the tippy toe of his, his foot crosses that line and coming out of, the, out of the camera, coming out of that planter, then he's done. They, they call him out. Sirens go off. They call the campus. Uh, but, yeah, I, yeah I, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it's just security cameras. Like a, like a pylon cam. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Or they could do like um... – they could do like little house lasers. You know how you would see that in like, you know, like a, like a TV show or something like that. Someone mm. had like had to rob a bank and There's have all lasers these lasers around the whole bubble. Dude, I'm telling you, I don't know why we've only done like a handful of podcasts together. I don't know why we're not consultants with the NBA because I feel like we're constantly throwing out great ideas. Yeah, it sounds like we're throwing out ideas that are theoretically amazing, but just very hard to achieve. But I mean, if your dreams aren't impossible or seen as impossible, I don't know the quote. If your dreams aren't seen as impossible, then they're not your dreams. Or yeah, I don't know the quote. It's something along the line. It. It's something along the lines of if your dreams aren't viewed as, as impossible, then you should be striving higher. I don't know. I don't hey, know quotes. You put the "I'm" in "I'm possible." That was horrible. You didn't like that either. All right, we both had a swing and a miss right there. There's a song called um, "There's No I in Beer." There's no I in team, although there is a me, and M-E happens to be my initials. So Is there really an M-E in team, though? There's just an E space M. There's no me. But you can, you, you know, you can rearrange it in, in such a way. There's a me in meat. <laughs> There's mate in team, and that's like another way of saying, hey, this is my mate. Like, we're boys. Maybe that should be it. I one time yeah. wrote the word gym on the board and I was trying to think of acronyms and I came up with getting your muscles. 
That could be, that's a good one. That and could I, be, oh, I, I wonder if that's where the word came from. That could be, uh, you could, you could definitely copyright that. I should, I should come up with a workout podcast as soon as I, I get certified in personal training, which I'm, I'm not going to school for at all, but I'm sure I could take an online quiz or watch some YouTube videos and become certified. And I will make a podcast called gym, but it's actually getting your muscles. I'll be your only subscriber. Um, we could Thanks. ask. You're welcome. We we could ask the bubble girl who got invited to kind of tell us how everything goes down there. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that. So I believe her at is Ugly Anna. Don't know for sure, but she essentially tweeted like two days after it started. I already got invited to the bubble. Yeah, the season definitely ending early. Like, first of all, no, okay? Like, you clearly know what's going on. So even if you get invited, please stay out. Like, everyone everyone will hate you if you go. I shouldn't say hate. That's a very strong word. No one will like you if you go. So you clearly, like, you know what's going on. You know that you can't go in. Just don't go. Maybe she wasn't going to go. So I'm just yelling at her for no reason. But the only thing we do know is that it wasn't Donovan Mitchell and it wasn't Montrez Harrell. Because some people replied in the comments saying that those two were wilding and she said it's not them but she's not going to uh, expose who it is. You know, this got me thinking about like my own DMs. Like if I were to look at my DMs right now on Instagram, it would be a bunch of like 26, 27-year-old guys trying to get me to like use them as their realtor and buy a house somewhere. Um are you a realtor? No, but like I have so many friends for some reason that graduated college oh, didn't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and <laughs> when I say so many friends, I mean like uh, like you know four. But they became like real estate agents, and all the time they're like, "Hey man, like I heard you were looking for a home. I got I which I'm not right now. Hopefully next year. But they're like, you know, I got this great house on South Main Street. Blah blah blah. Like those are my DMs. I do not like it. Um, that's me. I couldn't imagine waking up one day checking my dms and it, it's like you know i don't know duncan robinson and he's like hey why don't you come to this bubble like what do you what do you, what do you lead off with you know what i mean like what's your lead off dm if you're an nba player do you just say my name is duncan robinson come to the bubble like what do you do um i'm sure if you're an nba player you have the blue check and people are aware just by looking at your site so yeah you probably just say come through and then she says, where at? You send the location, and then it's over. That's it. It's as simple as that. I mean, I can't, like, I don't know. I'm not an NBA player, and so I, I typically, I, I, I don't have, I can't have as much confidence when sliding in because I just, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not in am absolute amazing shape like these NBA players are. I'm not over six foot two or six foot three like a lot of them are. Uh, I, and I don't have all the notoriety and fame, so I have to come up with a bit more game. But as an NBA player, I'm sure you could literally just get away with come through. So I feel like I've I've already tossed out a couple of lessons today. I'm going to throw out one more lesson for our listeners, okay? Um, I'm going to give you an Instagram technique that you just have to be confident with. Oh, I'm ready. But, right. It's It's got like, I don't know, it's been it's worked pretty well for me. Um Let's say there's a girl you have a crush on that you know, but you don't really know. You know through like Instagram and you're trying to find that way. You just think she's hot. Yes. Thank you for putting it, uh, you know, a little more simply. So you're trying to find that way 
to connect with her and reach out for the first time and make contact. Here's what I do. Let a couple of her posts, right, a couple of her pictures, two or three, go by without you liking them, right? Then she, when she puts up her next one, that's when you like it. And you go, when you, you go back and you like the other ones that you purposely missed, okay? Here's why. This signals, hey, listen, I saw your picture. And I thought you were cute, so I decided to go to your profile and I realized there were a couple other pictures and I liked them as well, okay? Now, on the girl's end, when she checks her notifications, she sees, okay, Zach liked my new picture. Oh, wait, he liked my old, my one from last week and the one from the week before, right? To them, it lets them know, hey, listen, this dude is interested in me, but you don't have to go out and take that risk of sending, you know, that DM. Right. So if she's not interested, she just leaves it alone. I, I mean, I've heard techniques like that before. People going back and liking old photos. Uh, I mean, there's one thing to that doing it your way exactly is you got to stay committed, like right from the jump. Like you may have to wait like three weeks to let like you may have to wait longer, like two months to let a couple posts go by. But uh, oh, I've waited. The, the other technique I've heard, I forget where I heard this from, but. You basically like a girl will post a, f- a photo and it like it's like a serious photo where she's trying to look good and she pr- like she does look good if if you have a crush on her to you clearly she does, but then you know how girls just go off on each other's comments like oh my gosh you're beautiful whoa hottie like you know all that stuff, so I heard that you comment just like laughing emojis and that's it, and it'll make her really confused and she'll message you be like what like what are you laughing at. And then you, and then you basically, you have to, you have to claw your way out of it from there. I'm sure there was a technique, but I forget it. But that way you got her messaging you and you have her right there already messaging back and you don't got to worry about it. What if, okay, let's imagine that scenario happens. And she's like, what are you laughing at? Here is, I'm just going to throw this out there right now on the spot. What if you were to say, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do a laughing face. I meant to do, you know, like whatever the fire emoji is, right? The eggplant emoji. Okay, see, that is for our more bold friends. But for people that are a little more conservative, you know, we got to water it down. But, you know, you find your speed and and stick with it, right? Or what if you just posted an absolute random emoji, like one of a hospital or a taxi? Or like an eagle. An eagle. I'm swooping in to grab your number. Yeah, see, yeah, there you go. We're so bad at this, and we should probably never do this. Yeah, guys, don't take any of the advice that you that you hear today. I'm please. Using some of these techniques tonight, though. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the nice little DJ sets that happen around the pool. So I guess there's there's three hotels, three different pools, uh, three different DJs playing at these pools, and I don't know about all of them, but apparently the hotel that the Lakers are staying at, Dwight Howard says he was the only one who showed up. Now, you didn't have to go any further than me to tell you that, you know. A pool party or a club scene around a pool because apparently they had like strobe lights and it was like bumping and everything you could have told me that something like that without any girls wasn't going to draw any interest from any of these guys and yeah you like like i like you could have thought of something a lot better like you could have came up with some sort of like cornhole tournament or something like that got their competitive juices flowing these guys aren't aren't, aren't interested in going and dancing and listening to music with just like a hundred dudes around them but I mean, credit out to Dwight. I'm, I'm sure he had a great time. He definitely seems like the type of guy who would be cool just jamming out by himself by a pool. 
Here's something about Dwight that, like, I kind of like. I feel as though he just does not care about what anyone thinks, for for good or for worse. So, like, there's there's a scenario in which I picture Dwight being the only one at this DJ set, uh, like this party, and there's a pool, and he just puts on, like, floaties and has a drink and floats around and just listens to this music in the background, kind of, like, maybe fades in and out, takes a nap, right, and just totally enjoys his day. And it works out for him. You know, there's also a scenario in which I see like Dwight, you know, putting in requests to the DJ and the DJ just completely ignoring it. There's so many different things that can happen here. At the end of the day, man, it's just Dwight being Dwight, which I've it's kind of grown on me. Do you think he brought his snakes? That's a real question. Threw the snakes Ow. in the pool, swam around with them. Apparently he has a bunch or maybe he just has like a huge one. I don't know if he has a bunch or if he just has like a, a few that are just like massive. But I think he's a big reptile guy. What scares me about snakes in a pool, like swimming around, is that they don't have any appendages. Like they don't, they don't have arms. They don't have like, like I don't know how it swims. Like that actually, like I need a physics lesson on how a snake can swim. I, I mean, I don't know anything. Uh, do you think Dwight could have been the one to invite Anna? Say, look, we got this pool party coming. You should come through, pull up. It'll only be me and you, I promise. Private how sad. poolside DJ session. How sad for Dwight that if that was the case, I mean, she didn't show. That's tough. Yeah. Well, apparently she said that her and the guy were laughing about all these people trying to guess who it is. and But she's, she said she's not going to tell. So it, it doesn't seem like she's coming. And apparent, like I listened to the low post with Malika Andrews. And she said even if someone wanted to come in, like there is so much security you have to pass just to get to the driveway of the hotel. So... It sounds like they're pretty secure there. It sounds like they're pretty they're pretty isolated from everything, which that's definitely a good thing, especially if you want to prevent COVID from coming in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one thing I do feel bad for is those DJs because they probably had to come in like three days before, quarantine in their hotel room alone for two nights, have like a bunch of Q-tips shoved up their nose to test, and then they come out to perform their music and no one's there. And... I wonder what it was like at the other hotels, honestly. There had to be more than just one person at one of them. Well, imagine um, imagine if you were a DJ and, like, that was your big break and, like, you're getting all pumped up about it and you, you know, you go down and, like, you're, you're setting up your turntables or whatever and, like, you see only one person trickle in and, like, that one person is Dwight Howard. I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest letdowns you could have professionally. Yeah, I will say, though, Shams did tweet out the names of the DJs. So maybe maybe if that was your one big break that you're getting there, then at least you got your name tweeted out by Shams, who, like, hundreds of thousands of people have notifications on for. Dude, Shams does not quit. That is some in-depth research. Okay, what about Woj getting suspended now? Like... I don't know. I don't know what this what this means. Like, is is he just not allowed to tweet, or is he like like when he's told information by people, he's like, "Sorry, I can't take this from you. I, I I'm suspended." I, I want to know what it means to suspend someone whose job is just to break news. Do you know what I want Woj to do now, um, in kind of like a spiteful way? I want Woj to do like opposition research on all the people that had a role in him getting suspended, like all the higher ups that made that decision at ESPN. And I want to see Woj just start like trickling out, you know, anonymous sources, dropping all the dirt about the people at ESPN. I want to see, I want to see this blow up even more and like, yeah, that's selfish of me, but 
I don't know. Like, I kind of want to see it, and it would be entertaining. And I think Woj is awesome at his job. Like, free Woj, man. Yeah, so I have no idea if they're beefing or if they came to Woj. They're like, look, you're only going to be suspended for, like, a week. We just have to do this for publicity reasons. I'm sorry, but you did wrong. We we we're, we have your back. Or if they're like, or or if they, you know, came to Woj, like, we're suspending you for a week or however long it is. It hasn't been announced. And, and then, you know, he just got enraged, and now he wants to get them back. But... I don't know. I, to me, ESPN needs Woj more than Woj needs ESPN. Like any company will take Woj on because this guy's like over four million Twitter followers. He literally reports stuff before players report stuff about themselves. Like this guy just knows everything. So I, I can't see I can't see him being suspended for long. Like definitely by the time games get back, I, I think he'll be back. Well, this is you know, it's funny you brought that up. So bef- before we move on to like some of the Denver stuff, um, I'm waiting for the day when different reporters realize that they have a platform that's big enough to where they don't need a company. Like, why does Woj need ESPN? He, I don't think he does. A lot of money. He, yeah, but like, all right, I'll t- uh, right now, if, if Woj put out today, guys, I'm leaving ESPN, and sent out a tweet to his 4 million followers and was like, if you pay me 10 bucks right now, you will be subscribed to all of my articles about you know whatever new whatever news I br- I break right. Like, would you pay ten bucks to have that um, access? Like monthly or just ten? Ten bucks the entire year. Uh, ten a year. Oh yeah, I totally would. It's easy, man. I would probably pay like close to fifty, honestly, if I got all of his articles for the entire year. Let's search. Okay, so let's say all four million of his followers paid ten bucks. That is, yeah, that's. Wow, that's forty million. I didn't need I didn't need a calculator for that. I'm, math is not my strong suit. Uh forty million a year. That's actually honestly it's 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 kinda intriguing when you think about it. And if he started his own website, the uh, he would sell so many ads on it, right? If he had his own individual podcast, he would get all the uh, profits from all the ads. Um, speaking of which, if anyone wants to be a sponsor on this uh, podcast, please hit us up ASAP because yes. it means that actually like money um we're broke yes that's another way of saying that so i don't know i'm, I'm just waiting for that day but um let's let's switch gears let's talk about the some of the denver players uh that that can't go so what is it tory uh tory craig monte morris yeah gary harris uh yep. michael porter jr but apparently mark bartlestein his uh porter's agent did confirm that porter should be in orlando within these next couple of days uh, he confirmed that on Sirius uh, XM NBA radio. Uh, Jokic did show up, and he passed his quarantine. I guess he's just waiting a physical. But it, it doesn't seem like, yeah, much people have any news on the other three. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough break for Denver. Monte Morris is actually, like, a really good guard. Um, he, he's a great asset for your team. He does not turn the ball over. He can make some shots. Gary Harris has he's had a, a weird career. He is. He is. And he's he's definitely helpful for their team. He, that guy has had such an odd career, though. Like, if you look at his points per game, just like season by season, I think it starts at like five points per game, then it goes to like twelve. Then he had this great year when it was at seventeen, and he was hitting like forty percent of his threes. Then it goes like back down to twelve, and now it's at ten or something like that. And yeah, he can't make just, a shot this year. No, but it's interesting because he, there was a. There have been seasons where he was a uh, an above average three point shooter playing like really good defense and kind of creating a little bit. So he's got one of the strangest careers to me, and I have no idea like 
if I had to project his career, I just I wouldn't even know what to say. I would just pass because I don't know. Yeah, his points per game is like kind of like a like a hill, like a parabola. It goes 12, 14, 17, 12, 10. Like <laughs> he just dropped off after that one. Yeah, it, he yeah offensively he struggled a lot this year. Uh, he's still solid defensively though. He's still a great defender for them, and he, and obviously a valuable asset that they would prefer to have there rather than at home. And for all we know, maybe he is coming. Like I I. That's the that's the interesting thing about this is typically as NBA fans, especially within these past few years, we've been so accustomed to just knowing everything about all these players, their health, their their statuses, their whatever they got going on in their business world. Like we're so accustomed to knowing everything that now that there's some stuff up in the air, we're just like we're so lost. Like it's like I'm not disrespecting these guys, but it's Gary Harris, Monte Morris, and Tory Craig, and we're we're going crazy not knowing about it. It's not like it's Giannis or LeBron. Uh, I mean, we have the Houston guys that we're not sure what's going on, but we're led mm-hmm. to believe that both are going to be there because Austin Rivers posted a video of how they have like a shoe rack and apparently Harden and Westbrook have like 80 shoes between the two of them. And then all the other players shoes are just like stuffed on the bottom row. Did you see that? I did not see that, but I saw the video of James Harden walking in with like one little bag and one suitcase and you're just left wondering like, is that all the clothes that he brought? I mean, probably not. No but way. can they do laundry there? They must be able to do laundry. Because I, I don't know. Because I saw it. Because Mr. Steibel has started his his uh, vlog, and mm. he was talking about how he's like, yeah, I had no, I, I have no idea how to plan and like to pack. There's no videos on how to pack for three months, and he had three full suitcases of clothes. So I'm kind they of, ass- have- I'm kind of assuming that they can't, or maybe I'm sh- maybe they can upon request. I guarantee you they have a, a laundry service. I guarantee you. Um, for sure. Let's bet on it. Do. Yeah, I think that also, shout out to you knowing the word parabola. When I was in high school, we had to like, it was a math class. I think it was a sophomore or something. We had to read from the textbook, like read out loud. And it was my turn to read. I had never heard that word before. And I pronounced it par- uh, parabola. I don't think that's a regular though. I'm pretty sure... I might have too at the start, or maybe my teacher right away kind of like nipped that in the butt, and she was like, "It's it's it's parabola, not parabola." I, I don't know. No, and and I felt I felt stupid. Like it sounds like super Italian, you know, like hey, like like parabola, <laughs> right? Like like you're talking about like two parabola. guys. Yeah, like you're talking about like two guys walking into like a bowling alley, like oh, it's a parabola. Um, but you know, I was just, I've, I've been so proud of you, this podcast, you some, you tried some hard words, man, and you absolutely nailed them. So shout out to knowing parabola. I don't even know what the other word was. I thought parabola was the only one. You got another one floating around. I'll think of it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's intrigued. It's intriguing to see who's here and who's not by the sounds of it. Everyone is coming as far as we know. Obviously, there's the Nets guys who have opted out, Avery Bradley. But from the sounds of it, even like these guys who were questionable for it, like no reports have been made, which I have to assume they're coming. And if not, maybe we'll literally just have to wait till game one where they're not on the court or not on the bench. Totally agree, man. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Westbrook. I mean, obviously, he, he has coronavirus, so we're all thinking about him. I think I – did I just say that like Cardi B? Coronavirus. Um Hopefully he's going to be like ready and back in action, but you just got to, I don't know, I'm more worried for the player's health than anything else. So, you know, take your time, Westbrook, get right, and and hopefully we see you soon. Let's go on to 
just a strange debate. I don't like you brought this up to me because you saw it on Twitter. I mean, I'll let I'll let you tell the backstory of this because okay, I, I, we need games soon if this is what we're talking about. Okay, so this is a more interesting debate than what everyone is giving credit uh, credit for. So I, think, I okay, it's an interesting debate. It's just like no one would have thought on. of this if games were on. It's it's a weird debate, but it it kind of reveals like. I don't want to say it's a litmus test for how much you know basketball, but it just, it reveals a lot about how uh, the the way you think about basketball. So, I got this idea. So I follow. Um, it's one of the best Twitter handles you can think of, right? It's at Snotty Drippin. Um, obviously a play on like Scotty Pippen. So Snotty Drippin tweeted out the other day. Uh, he was talking to a bunch of his followers, interacting with a bunch of people because he's great for engagement and things like that. And basically the debate came up. Is Carl Anthony Towns better at offense than what Rudy Gobert is at defense? Okay. Before we weigh in on it, let me let me just give you like a couple of quick stats about Cat and a couple of quick stats about Rudy Gobert, just so the listeners know and, and can kind of have an idea of like how good these guys are at at either on offense or on defense. Okay. So I'm gonna kind of make the case for both of them real quick. All right. This season. Out of the, I think, 35 games Carl Anthony Towns played, all right, um, he shot 50% from the field, 41% from three on 15 field goal attempts per game and, and um, 7.9 three-point attempts per game, okay? I took those numbers and I plugged them into basketball reference using their player finder um, tool, which is really awesome. So you can check out how many times in a season or how many times ever, rather, in the history of the league a player has shot, again, 50% from the floor, 41% from three on a, at least 15 total attempts um, and seven, at least seven three-point attempts per game, okay? The answer to this question, only Carl Anthony Towns and Steph Curry were the ones to ever do that. This is why – exactly. Uh, and I think one of those Steph Curry years – so he did it twice. One of those years, I think, was uh, his unanimous MVP year. But this is why this is so special. Um Obviously, shooting at least 50% from the floor is hard, right? And making half your shots is really hard. But making 41% on almost eight three-point attempts per game is a remarkably hard even for like a, a, a shooting guard or a guard. It's even harder for a seven-footer, right? So there is a legitimate case to be made. Well, you know what? Before I say that, let me get into my next stat, okay? 2017. 2018 Carl Anthony Towns. I did the same thing with the player finder tool. That year, he shot 54% from the floor, which is wild. 42% from three. Um, and then I plugged into the finder uh, on at least 14 field goal attempts per game and at least three and a half three-point attempts per game because that's what he was shooting that year. He's the only person ever to hit those metrics, right? So basically what I'm saying is if you're looking at the modern big, there is a case to be made that he is the most efficient shooting modern big man this game has ever seen because his numbers are wild. His three-point volume is off the charts, still hitting 50% or more from the floor, hitting 41, 42% of his threes. That's the case for Carl Anthony Towns. Zach, do you have anything to say before I move on to the case for Rudy Gobert? Uh, I have some comparison stats that I can get to after you say your Gobert piece, but what I will say on Towns is I've been on record saying that he is the most versatile, not the best, but the most versatile offensive big man of all time. 
Mm. That's I, a take I, right there. I, it's, I just look at his offensive game, and there's nothing that he can't do. He, like, he can oh. post up and bully you down low. He can post up and fade. He's the only big other than Kristaps I've seen that you can literally set a pin down for and him come off in rhythm and shoot. Like, he can pick and pop, pick and roll, beat a guy off the dribble. Like, I, just, I think he's literally the most versatile big man of all time. I think the only other argument is Embiid, and he doesn't. Embiid doesn't shoot near as well as Towns. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and his his passing this year took a step forward. So, like, but just in terms of scoring the ball, I mean, as a, as a three level scorer, he might be the best three level scoring big man we've seen. That's what I'm saying. Um, I literally think he's the most versatile offensive big ever. Right. So we kind of have to like met out how that compares against Gobert and your own philosophy, but let me give you some some Rudy Gobert stats. Okay. There is um, a, a man on Twitter you guys should follow. His name is Andrew Patton, okay? And he came up with this app, um, or this, this analytical tool, I should put it, that essentially measures if a defensive, how good a, a player is on defense at forcing other players into bad shots and deterring them from the paint. Right. Um, and it's called rad RAD and there are different kind of different levels of it. And one of them that I want to talk about today, not to get too, too analytical, um, it can be hard to follow, but it's called Q rad. Let me sum it up for you. All right. So the Q rad metric works like this. It rewards bigs who force other players into like long mid range twos because a long mid range two is the least valuable shot in the NBA. Okay. And it also rewards for how many um, how many shots you stop from happening at the rim, okay? So like paint deterrence, and that's something that's hard to measure, and they have a measurement for it, okay? Rudy Gobert has a career score of four four point five three. So essentially, for his career, when he's on the court, the Utah Jazz um, allow four point three less shots at the rim. That's, like, really, really good. I mean, that is, like, almost historic stuff, okay? In 2017, he forced 7.57 bad shots a game, right? So that means – so uh, for 7.57 shots a game, he either stopped people from going to the rim or forced them into, like, bad, low, you know, low-scoring uh, opportunity mid-range twos. That's cr- – like, it, it, it's, it's a crazy stat. Like, that is – elite of elite good okay um since 2017 opponents were were expected to hit 53 percent of their field goals when he was guarding them he held them to like 45 percent which is again league leading um since 2018 he saved 762 points right it's it's wild and by the way i got those stats from this guy um ahmed chima i hope i'm saying his, his name right so Long story short, Rudy Gobert is the best in the game at stopping opponents from scoring in the paint and forcing low-value shots. Um, And there's a reason he's a two-time defensive player of the year, okay? Zach, what do you got to add? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no argument behind both of them being amazing at what they are. And I think that's what kind of makes this – well, it's exactly what makes this comparison so intriguing is that they're both great, and this is kind of a comparison that you really – you can't come up with a definitive answer because you can't compare offensive and defensive stats directly. So I get like, that's why it's a fun debate, but I tried my best to come up with some comparison stats as best I could. And obviously these aren't perfect, but Carl Anthony towns this season, basically 
has an offensive rating of 113.9, which puts him at 17th in the NBA. Uh, Gobert is at 106.8 for a defensive rating, which puts him third in the NBA. Or, no, sorry, 106.8, which puts him, like, 40th or 50th in the NBA. Um, but, obviously, defensive rating relies on your team. If you look at defensive win shares, Gobert's at a 4.0, which puts him third in the NBA. Um, and the stat I found really interesting was Carl Anthony Towns, if you look at his offensive win shares, he um, he's at 3.7 this year, which that's not that great. Dame's in first with 8.9. But Carl Anthony Towns for two seasons put up 10.6 and 9.9 for offensive win shares. So those two seasons, he wouldn't just be in first place for offensive win shares this year. He, he would be blowing Dame out of the water for it. So those are just mm-hmm. some like advanced stats, obviously just, just some quick advanced comparison stats, nothing, nothing I test worthy there, but that's just some stuff that, you know, you can tell that both of them are at the peak of what they do. So this is really interesting to me because I think the best offensive players in the NBA have a massive impact on winning, right? And we know this, and that sounds like a really dumb thing to say and really obvious thing to say, but it kind of is something we need to clarify because when you look at guys like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, you could put those guys on any team in the NBA, and I'm not saying that that team would, you know, go to the finals or even make the playoffs, but, like, take LeBron James, put him on the Charlotte Hornets right now, they are dramatically better, right? If you take Carl Anthony Towns and put him on the Hornets, they get better, but not uh, not as much, right? Now, let's, let's do the same exercise with Rudy Gobert. Take Rudy Gobert, put him on a team like, um, what's a good example for this? Put him on a team, swap him with uh, Cody Zeller, right? Put him on the Hornets. Who do you think helps more, right? Are the Hornets better with Carl Anthony Towns? at center or Rudy Gobert? What's your take? So I'm really big on offense being a lot more important than defense. And this isn't just like a casual basketball take and just saying offense, offense, because it's more fun. But like offense straight up is just more important. I mean, like who would you rather on your team? Andre Roberson or James Harden? They're both very elite at one thing and not that great at the other. But you would obviously take James Harden just because offense – you can be an offense within yourself, but you can't be a defense within yourself. Now, the argument with Rudy Gobert is he's as close to being a defense within himself as possible, which that's important. At the end of the day, I probably will st- still say Towns, though, just because I think offensively, like if you can grab a guy who can put up anywhere from 20 to 30 points per game, like you would take that any day over an elite rim protector. Or at least I would. So... Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. So for, just just to get back to like an overall question, because I think this is a fun one that that we could put on Twitter and have some fun with. I think Carl Anthony Towns is better at producing offense um, than Rudy Gobert is at defense, and part of it is just because of the nature of the game. Like, mm-hmm. it takes more skill to throw a basketball in a hoop from far away than it does to prevent someone from throwing a basketball in a hoop, right? And that's not to like dilute or belittle what Rudy Gobert does because he is truly a historic defender. Now, just because in my opinion, Carl Anthony Towns is better on offense than than what Gobert is at defense, doesn't mean I'd necessarily, like if we had a huge redraft, right? Doesn't mean I'd necessarily take Cat over Gobert. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I, I actually would prefer Gobert on my team in many situations um, because I don't think Carl Anthony Towns can be the best player on a championship team. I, I just don't think that. I think he can be the second best player on a title team, but not the best. And I think Gobert has like a different value. So I would rather have Gobert on my team. But that being said, I still think Cat is better at what he does than what Gobert is at he does, if that makes any sense to you. No, yeah, and I to me when when I'm asked to pick between like two players, like who would you rather in your team? To me, my answer is always who do I have? Right. Like for Utah, for for example, when they have, or I guess maybe Utah. Okay, yeah, let's say Utah, where they have guys who can create their own shot, like Mitchell and Bogdanovich, and hopefully Conley can get going. You'd prefer a guy like Gobert to hold down, you know, the defensive end. Where I mean, if you look at a team like the Raptors, for example, who have four strong defenders just across the board, but they may lack in that half-court offensive department. I, I would take Towns on the Raptors over Gobert probably, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for that because the Raptors are just built on defense and that's what they thrive at. But I just like – I'm so so big on Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's amazing. And I know a lot of people aren't because they think he's soft and he's bad at defense and he's like uh, – all the stuff we heard when he was with Jimmy Butler – is that, you know, he's whiny, he doesn't like to work. And all that obviously plays into a factor. But when I'm only accounting for offense and defense, I have to give it to Towns. Let me ask you two quick follow-up questions before we move on. Um, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you could pair any one player, it'll probably be like a power forward, to uh, with with Carlin and the Towns to clean up his defensive mistakes, who would you pick? I mean, like realistically, like like I can't choose Anthony Davis. Obviously, I feel like he would just be sure. the answer no matter who you said. But if we were talking realistically, do do you have an answer to this? I have. Let, let me think because I, I I need to think through some guys. Let me give you a stopgap answer. So, Jeremy Grant is a free agent this year, and he is historically he's been a pretty good shot blocker, and I think when he gets uh, if he's used the right way, he can be someone who helps clean up the mistakes of Carl Anthony Towns. He's a, he's a really good three-point shooter now. Um, I think I just wanted to hijack this question so I could talk about Jeremy Grant for a little bit. But I think he'd be a great fit there. Um, let me. Do you have an answer or do you want me to ask the next question? It's so hard because I'm like – I think of a guy that I'm like, obviously, he's an all-star. Like Pascal Siakam. Right. Duh, Anthony Davis. Yeah. So I'll keep thinking until until I come up with a good one that's like a realistic pairing when you're like like when I'm taking like cap space into example. But yeah, you keep going. You you can you can tweet it at me. Like you'll probably wake up at like two AM and, and just be like, oh, okay, I thought of it. Um here's my next question. Would you trade if if you were the Boston Celtics, if you were Danny Ainge, would you trade Jalen Brown for Carl Anthony Towns? Uh and- Forget about making the the contracts work. Let's right, just say just, like that was the foundation. Right, just just kind of head for head. That's the main thing. Uh, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I feel like that's one where both teams say no. Honestly, I just, I just feel like Boston, especially with the way Tatum's trending, and I mean Jalen Brown himself is trending. They have enough guys who can create offense, and their biggest problem right now is that defensively at center they're they're not good they're good on the wing but i think they 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 need like a defensive center i don't think they need a guy like towns i I don't know i think that's one where both teams say no too because minnesota wouldn't just trade towns for a guy like jalen brown either Uh, what do you think would you say no so i would say no just because i value um wings more than i value. i think bigs can be replaceable that's the other thing too is just 
just by the way the game's played, guards and wings and guys who handle the ball are just more important. Although I think there are a handful of coaches out there that could bring um, that could limit Carl Anthony Towns's defensive um, deficiencies, and I think Brad Stevens is one of those guys. And by the, an offense with Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Cat uh, would be like historic offensively, just in terms of efficiency. Okay, um, let's get into guess the player. I'm ready for this. Yeah, I also, uh, I guess, even this is still even like maybe not a, a, a correct answer, but maybe I'd go with Jonathan Isaac. But oh, great answer. Maybe he's still too good for it, but I guess I'll stick with it. That's such a good answer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, guess the player, or as we called it last time, make Matt look stupid. Although he yeah. made me look stupid because he got it on the fourth or fifth clue. Uh, realistically, probably the fourth or third one because the first clue was literally just he's a current player. Uh, so I had to make it a bit tougher. So this one will be a little tougher than the last one. I have nine clues here, although the first one is just that he's a current player. So I guess I have eight. So how do you want to do this? Do you want like three guesses or do you want like one guess after each clue or or what, what do you want to do? I'll tell you. you. You give the clue and I will tell you if I feel comfortable um, answering. How about okay. that? Okay, so I'll give you the first three because... They don't really ex- expose the player much. They're more just fun okay. facts again. So the first one, current player. The second one, he was a second-round pick. And the third one is that he actually built his own house. Who is a second-round pick that I think would build their own home? Do you know who kind of looks like that guy? Wasn't Landry Shamit a second-round pick? Uh, Yeah, I believe Wait, so. Wait, was he? Let's search this up. This is really bad. This is really bad radio. Uh, no, he's actually round one, pick 26. Okay, so shame it doesn't count. Um, what if I said... Wait, Fred Van Vliet was undrafted as well. He was or, undrafted, or, or, yeah. Not, not second round. Okay, give me, give me another hint. Okay, my next hint, I'm not saying it was this year, but I'm not saying it wasn't this year. I'm just saying at some point in his career... He 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 played on an all-star team, maybe multiple, maybe one, maybe this year. But I'm just saying he played on an all-star team at some point in his career. Marcus All was a second-round pick. He was. And it's not him. Is that, is this, are you guessing? That's my guess. It's not Marcus All. All right, a second-round pick who was an all-star. Draymond. Not him either. Okay. This, this is, is where the make Matt look stupid comes into play. You're making me look so stupid right now. Um, Do you want another clue? I, I need another clue. Uh, my next clue is that he's averaged double-digit points per game since 2011-2012. So every year since then, he has averaged double-digit points per game. Wasn't Paul Millsap a second-round pick all-star? Uh, I know he was an all-star. And I think he was second round. He was a second round pick. This is so. This is this is gonna bother me. Um, Although it's not Paul Millsap. It's not Paul Millsap. Jimmy Butler was a first round pick. I know that. Um, he was like thirtieth overall or something like that. <sighs> Do you have another clue? Yeah, I got I got four more. Oh God! In twenty thirteen fourteen, he made third team All NBA. 
and won the most improved award. But that was not the year that he made the All-Star team. Okay, wait. So he made he made third team All NBA. What else was there? He won most improved all in that year, although he didn't make the All Star team that year. DeAndre Jordan? Not him. That's a good guess, though. I, I feel like, that. like I feel like that meets a lot of the qualifications. Um, These next three clues are very very telling. So if you want to fire off a guess before these next three, I still have one that maybe kinda, but then the the the, the last two are you'll you'll get it off the last two. All right, go for it. Okay, so he he actually had a brother who used to play in the NBA too. Had a brother that used to play in the NBA. <sighs> Keep going. <laughs> he uh, he had two separate stints with the Phoenix Suns. Okay, two stints with the Phoenix Suns. Second round pick, made an All NBA team. I mean, it's not, I'm just trying to think of guys that played there it's not amari um not tyson chandler tyson chandler was a first round pick was like the second pick overall um is he still in the league he's still in the league what still quite productive too accepted uh gordon Dragic. you got it let's go let's go it took me a while but i got there my last hint was his nickname is the dragon and then that would have been it yeah you would have got it off that uh, eight games um, though. Dude, okay. I like Drogic so much. Yeah, I I don't know. Okay, the way I do these, I don't like look up like who has like some cool stats about them or some facts. I just like think through the league like who's the most random player I can think of that is at least like relevant. Like I'm not going to think of like I, I won't pick some like 14th, 15th man maybe until unless you get just amazing at this. But I think of like who's just like a random player that pops to my mind and then yeah, it was Goran Drogic. So he's going to – um. I don't know where he's going to sign this offseason, but he's going to really help a basketball team. He's just a, a solid freaking player. Well, yeah, I mean, a veteran, and he's accepted a backup role on Miami, let alone, like, right. they straight up told him. And, I mean, he's obviously, like, I'm not saying that Kendrick Nunn is bad, but he accepted a backup role to a rookie. Like, yeah. A guy and, who's and, made an all-star team. And he did it, um, like, pretty willingly and, like, and, and pretty happy about it, so... We yeah. we like yeah Dragic. We, never, we never heard anything bad about it so yeah no I yeah I definitely like Goran Dragic. My Boston Celtics could use him. Um, they're not going to get him. They don't have the cap space. But let's talk about some Celtics rookies. Let's do it. They got four of them, correct? Yeah, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it. So they have because you know a bunch of different guys played for him. But in terms of like the rookies we want to talk about, let's start with Grant Williams. So um, here was my review or the the review that we did on the playground there for, for Grant Williams. Um, one of the main things you need to know about him is like during his combine testing and not the actual NBA combine, but there are like a bunch of different kind of pro days for these NBA players. Um, he tested like off the charts in terms of strength. Like he is one of the actually strongest players he's in the NBA. Boy. Dude, he is, he's just, he's like an actual cement block. Um, so he's super strong, six foot six, six foot nine wingspan. So a lot of people wouldn't think, okay, you know, this guy's gonna be a rim protector, but with his strength, he's good at like he can actually hold his own and keep, you know, much bigger um, big man out of the paint. He's a very, very high IQ player, a great passer, and this is like not a sexy thing to talk about, but one of the videos that we broke down on him was how he sets screens. And like setting a screen is a legitimate skill in the NBA. And I would say right now he's one of the top five screen setters in the league. Like 
just really smart about it. You cannot get over him. His timing is perfect. He will screen two guys at once. I've seen him do it multiple times, and I don't know how he does it. Um, so I'm going to tweet a video out there of him just like setting awesome screens so you guys can see like what I'm talking about. But that's what he's good at. Now, what is he bad at? What does he need to improve? I think he went 0 for 26 for his first three-point shot, um, three-point attempts or something like that. It was kind of like a running joke with the Celtics. But after that, wasn't there a, shot... wasn't there like a Ben Simmons joke surrounding him? Something along those lines. I remember something like that. Yeah, and there's never like it's never good to be compared to Ben Simmons as a shooter. Um, other other ways, yes, but yes. not as not as a shooter. But after that, he shot like 35, 36 percent. So it might honestly, it might have just been some weird thing, right? Like it might have just been bad luck. And um, he should be a guy who hits right around 36% on maybe like two and a half, three three-pointers a game and just be good enough. So he's going to play a big role for the Celtics this postseason. Um, we like Grant Williams a lot. Zach, what do you think about my guy, Grant? Yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a decent shooter in college, shot a, a bit above 30%, except for, I think, one year where it was just horrible a couple of years ago. Uh, mm. The one thing I hear about him from just like coaches and and uh and insiders and analysts is that he just he's a very good communicator and talker on defense and that Mm -hmm. is something that no matter how good of an athlete you are how strong you are how how fast you are if you talk on defense you will help your team defensively and that is the one skill that you know youth coaches and, and and high school coaches they just they love in players guys who are just willing to communicate and talk defensively and that's one thing you know I've heard about him nonstop is that he he does that and he's very high IQ. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, like good screener. Aside from that, offensive game is pretty limited, especially as a scorer. Um, but you also said and you mentioned how he's shot a lot better from three after his his rough start. But either way, still definitely n- not much of a score when we classified as score. But I, a great defensive player, and you know sometimes out of a guy who was where was he drafted? Late first round, second round. I think it was like uh, mid first. Mid first, okay. And I mean, out of a guy like that, uh, if you can get a solid defensive role player, I mean, that's all you're asking for, you know. Not not every every you know late pick is going to turn into a star. So I can't say I have tons of opinions on him because I feel like he's just kind of a. I don't want to say he's just a player, but right. He's just, he's he's solid and he's consistent defensively and consistently not that great offensively. I don't know, but overall, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll get good enough offensively, and he's going to turn into one of those guys that every coach would you know love to have on their team. Right. Um, okay, so let's move on to the to another guy. Let's move on to Carson Edwards because there was a lot of hype about Carson Edwards. If you remember, he was the star at Purdue. He's six feet tall, but has like a six foot six wingspan, and like will dunk on you. Put up a ton of points at Purdue, um, and had an awesome summer league with the Celtics. But then he came in and couldn't really find his role right so like here are my thoughts on that we've seen this before okay we've seen an undersized college player really light it up have an awesome tournament uh, you know be on their team as the focal point where they're handling all the offense have a really high usage rate and then get to the nba and not be able to adapt to the role that their team wants them to play so like he kind of reminds me of like shabazz napier he reminds me of Trey Burke, right? Which both had a very similar, um, a similar skill set, although different a- athletic profiles. But I feel like they got tasked with coming to the league and just providing like solid bench scoring and and distributing. 
and it took them a while. I mean, Shabazz is a journeyman, but he's actually an underrated player. And Trey Burke has like bounced around. Like it doesn't always work out with these guys, right? No, oh, yeah, and I mean, awesome college player, especially as a scorer and a shooter. And he led Purdue last year uh, decently far into the tournament. I definitely don't remember for sure. Uh, not a guy I'm huge on. Not a guy that I see really doing anything in the league. I just think it's hard as a five eleven heat check guy to really have an impact until. You know, maybe maybe he does develop, but I think he'd have to change his game a lot into more of a distributor and, you know, kind of run pick and rolls a lot more and not just pull up from like 30 feet or 60 feet, 70 feet, however far you can pull from. Because he can definitely shoot it, but, you know, when you're 5'11", it, it's, it's a lot harder to get those shots off in the NBA. Yeah, and what's so interesting and, and what makes you like really right about this is uh, during uh, throughout the season, especially in the G League, Tremont Waters, who grew up like 15 minutes away from me, and and uh, we had like a mutual friend, which is pretty cool. Um, he got all the buzz for the Celtics because he's an incredible passer. Like he is a next level passer. He does passes that I haven't seen done like with people's hands. I'm like, like how did you throw that over your head with both hands? It's just remarkable. He's um, he's a pretty good shooter as well. He does not really turn the ball over that much, and he's a remarkable defender. Right? He was a defensive player of the year at, at LSU because he has like incredible hands and he's really really quick. Um, plays with a lot of heart as well. He was the one that got all the buzz instead of Carson Edwards this year, which, and, you know, there were some good articles about opposing GMs who are like, hey, listen, do what you can right now to trade for this guy because he's going to be a really, really good backup point guard. Like, you know, he, this, this guy's got a future in the NBA. So it just goes to show that, like, regardless of how big you were in college as, as a guard, if an NBA team drafts you, like you need to know how to distribute and facilitate and play defense or else you're not going to get on the court. And that's kind of what we're seeing, you know, happen here between Carson Edwards and Tremel Waters, you know? And well, he also just, just, you know, I wanted you to weigh in on this because I feel like these guys need to take the Fred Van Vliet model. Right. And, and, and like FVV was, is, was someone who was undrafted and just did what a team wanted. Right. Like, I feel like you've got to see that firsthand, how Fred Van Vliet, like really grew up as a player and, and is going to earn a huge or a pretty big contract now. Right. Yeah. And he spent some time in the G league, uh, improving and becoming a, a, a playmaker. And even up till this year, he still has some trouble, you know, kind of getting inside and finishing. And he just always will because he's short. And we saw last year before he for the birth of his son and he absolutely went berserk but in the mm -hmm. philly series when he dealt with length he just he couldn't get shots off i think he was literally shooting like under 10 percent, like in that series like it was one of the worst things i've ever seen and this year he made a, a, a really big effort to extend his range and you know he he doesn't he doesn't dribble the ball as much and he's definitely better at a shooting guard position which is tough because he's only about 5 11 6 feet and you can really only do it when he's playing beside a guy like Kyle Lowry who can guard up bigger guys. So either way, like Fred, definitely, yeah, like you have to take take the approach of, you know, just doing what a team wants. And, I mean, this is a very obvious, just like it sounds like a, a big college coach thing. But, you know, you're not, you're, not the, you're not the big stud anymore here, right? And, you know, guys realize that when they get to college and you have to realize that when you get to the NBA. And I'm not saying that. Like a guy like Carson Edwards is just so cocky and thinks he's the best, but like you have to develop other traits and just kind of realize that maybe I will just be a role player for the majority of my career.
Yeah, and I still think that there is there's an you know there's a route that Carson Edwards can take that could be good, especially because the Celtics are going to give him an opportunity. Like the Celtics are looking for a guard who can come in and score and run an offense in the second unit for like you know 15 minutes a game. So there's going to be a lane for that, but it just it really comes down to like sometimes we forget in the NBA how much coaches value just the fundamentals. Like, can you be a backup point guard? or a third guard on a team for, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a night, not turn the ball over, play defense and knock down an open shot. Like that's how you can be an undrafted guard like Van Vliet or get signed from overseas like Brad Wanamaker or how Shane Larkin's going to eventually come back and do the same. Like that's how you can, you can make the league and Edwards really struggles there. But a guy that I'm a little higher on is Romeo Langford. Uh, another Celtics rookie who got taken, I think, with the with the last pick in the lottery. Um, so Langford, awesome like physical profile, right? So six foot five, pretty athletic, pretty fluid, six eleven wingspan, um, awesome haircut, even better name. Like, for, if you know, first name Romeo is unbelievable. It's just it's going to set you up for success in life, except for the actual Romeo from you know the story Romeo and Juliet. But even that was the last just mis- name Langford. Like it's it. it it's it's not common, but it's also not just one that's like weird and you know unpronounceable. It's a. I feel like he's got a very global name, like Romeo. Get that like Italian Shakespeare vibe, and then Langford for me is like kind of country. So he's got a good mix going on. But Langford played in spurts this year, and he surprised everyone with just how good he was defensively. Um, his instincts were great. He was super active. He was blocking a lot of shots from the weak side. He was he was uh, he was reading passing lanes like really well, and it was really um, it was kind of like intriguing to see that because rookies tend to struggle when they first get to the NBA. But he did not struggle defensively. Offensively, he has some skills. It's just going to take time for them to develop because he had this thumb injury at Indiana. So when he shot the ball. Um, it, it just didn't look that great. And the Celtics have reworked his shot this year. It, it's not there yet, but it looks better. And he has this – he did this really weird thing where, like, they put a shoe on his guiding hand um, to try and, like, correct it. And I think it teaches him, like, how like how much guide hand to use. And it's just a bizarre technique, but it's starting to work. Um, but long story short, with, with Romeo Langford, this is going to be a guy who is going to play good defense for the Celtics. He'll eventually be able to knock down shots. And I think he could become like a bigger version of Avery Bradley. And I'm not I'm not saying he's going to be as good defensively, but I think he's going to be able to knock down shots, play reliable defense, and might even be able to like lead a second unit a little bit because he did play some pretty good point guard at Indiana. Um, so he's kind of like one of my sleeper you know, guys to keep keep a tab on going forward next year. Yeah, he's a guy a lot like Andrew Wiggins who was drafted that high due to his high school, you know, kind of, kind of a rep because like his college season did not scream lottery pick, but coming, I think he was fifth ranked in high school coming out of uh, Indiana that obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, they knew he had skill and there was obviously a reason that he he was, he was attractive to teams and so high on the ESPN rankings. Uh, He's a guy who I admittedly, I can't say I know a ton about. He obviously hasn't played a lot this year. Um, but yeah, from, from what you're saying, obviously a, a shot that last year in college definitely wasn't the greatest and this year hasn't been the greatest either, but you know, working on and stuff. And that's really all you can ask rookies to do come in and kind of don't really have 
everything's set in stone. Defensively, yeah, I, I, I think that's solid. It's a solid comparison, obviously, just maybe just like a weaker version of Avery Bradley, just like a solid 3D right. player. I don't know if I, I can see him extending past more than that, but I also just hate putting caps on such young guys and rookies because we would have said stuff like, about Pascal Siakam just being a role player, Victor Oladipo just being a role player, even Kyle Lowry being a, a role player, those guys who bloom later in life. So I don't want to say or put a cap on him, especially without admittedly knowing a ton about his game. But from what I've seen, I, I definitely like like what he's doing. Uh, one thing I will say that's interesting is Basketball Reference has him at 6'4". You said he was 6'5", and the ESPN recruiting has him at 6'6". So I, I don't know how tall he is. Well, let's, you know, maybe now that like Woj has some free time, like let's, let's set Woj on this one to figure it out. Measuring tape out. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, you know, I'll, I'll end our review on Celtics rookies by saying this next year. Do not be surprised if Trey Mount Waters has like a legitimate role and people are looking at this kid and saying, okay, this is, you know, a hidden gem. Do not be surprised if, uh, Danny Ainge finds a way to hype up Carson Edwards and then use him as a trade asset and just moves on. Do not be surprised if you see Grant Williams have a pretty good postseason, just in terms of being like an impactful role player. And uh, do not be surprised to see Romeo Langford take a pretty noticeable step forward. And hopefully Taco Fall gets some run, man. I'm a big Taco Fall guy. I was going to say, you're going to go this whole time without talking about everyone's favorite Celtics rookie? I so I tried I changed my Twitter handle to Blocko Fall because I just thought it made sense like he blocks a lot of players right Blocko Fall I thought it was gonna take off huge flop okay did not ta- did not take off yeah, but I watched it just Taco, doesn't sound as good as I think you think it did it just it just doesn't and I watched him play a lot because he played against my UConn Huskies a fair amount um, there's there's a legitimate way where he might be able to eventually at some point in his career see like you know. 12 to 15 minutes a game for a season or two, right? And and that would be a win. Maybe, I mean, yeah. I like he's huge, which that's the only thing he has going for him and I mean, mm-hmm. in the NBA obviously height can do a lot, but yeah, I don't know. Can't like, he can't really yeah, exactly. I mean, he can't really score defensively, he's not really anything other than the fact that he is so big and can block a ton of shots. But yeah, I mean, maybe I just yeah, I don't think you'll ever see him in a playoff rotation because you see guys like Boban who are in the league for their height, but he's a lot more mobile than Taco is, and he, he has a better free throw and a better touch around the net. And even he just gets played off the floor in important games because he just he can't move. So, yeah, I don't know if I see much coming out of Taco, but, I mean, just watching guy, watching a guy who's seven foot five is just never not entertaining. Like watching a guy who can just grab the rim without jumping. And he seems like an absolute great guy, and I've seen interviews of him since high school where he he was saying how he'd like rather, you know, like change the world or go into computer science to like get his smart education than going to the NBA. So he seems like a great guy by all accounts. I've, I've never met him, but that yeah, seems like good, good guy. Before we sign off on this podcast, I'm going to leave the listeners with two little nuggets. Okay. Google two things for me, Google taco fall um, and his diet. Okay. To put on weight and then Google the picture of taco fall standing next to Giannis and just how small he makes Giannis look. Those are your two uh, your two homework assignments from from you know teacher Mr. Esposito. I love photos like that, like the one of uh, Shaq and Yao Ming with I don't know if it was JJ Watt or someone, but just like huge guys making other huge guys look super small is just they're they're funny because 
those guys are obviously just massive. And I saw one today of like Calais Campbell next to Shaq Thompson. It was a video posted on Instagram, maybe even by House of Highlights or The Score or something. And Shaq Thompson's like 6'2", like 235, and he just looked tiny next to Calais Campbell, who's like 6'8", 300. So, I don't know. It's always entertaining seeing these like huge guys look so small. Go Google, go Google those things. You guys are going to like them. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now for the first time. It's He definitely makes Giannis look tiny. Uh, yeah. Well, this was fun, man. I, uh, a nice second episode. I'm, I, I'm happy we're doing this and staying consistent. You guys can, you guys can expect, you know, consistent episodes out of us. We don't have an upload schedule. We're going to aim for the minimum being weekly, maybe twice a week, but minimum every week you will get an episode out of us unless there's something going on in one of our lives that we just can't do it. But we're definitely going to try to stay consistent with it and, you can hit us up, both up on Twitter. Let us know your opinions on it, whether it's you know positive feedback or, or, or just even some criticism, letting us know what we can improve on. We'll take anything we can at this point because we're, you know, we're just starting this off and, and we're both humble and we're willing to take every bit of criticism and feedback we can get. Guys, this was fun. Um, I'm ready for this to get uploaded on Twitter. And uh, Zach, take us out, man. Let's, let's hear that music. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I... Uh, I'm just so excited for basketball to start. Like, just sometimes talking about ball, like, four months with four months off, it just can get, like, so, like, boring. I'm just so excited to just watch it again and be able to talk about the games. But, yeah, hit us both up on Twitter, subscribe, and thanks for listening. Take care. We stayed up till the morning Talking till the first light of dawn Just like